I'm Dawn. And I'm Colleen. And welcome back to season two of Austin and the A-Train. So, what is season two all about, Colleen? It is all about Emma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this week That's we it. actually both read the novel Emma. I, Colleen can't see me through the camera. You can't see me through the camera, but I'm still holding up my coffee, copy of the book Emma that I've had for like 10 plus years. That's fine. And you can't see me through the camera, but I just face palmed because Dawn is holding up her copy even though we're an audio podcast. <sighs> yes. Um, I mean, I feel like if we were like a visual podcast, all you would see would be my vast sweatshirt and blanket collection. <laughs> yes, also true. You'd probably yeah. just see me just making a lot of okay faces. Mm-hmm. Me with my unicorn blanket hood on or something, like in the <laughs> deep of winter. All right, so we have read Emma. Now, what's your experience with Emma, Colleen? So my first experience with Emma was... When, in college, when Dawn called me Emma. I did. That was fun. <laughs> yes! Okay, so fun fact. Um, Dawn had recently gone through a breakup. It was an amicable breakup. However, Dawn, it was like past Valentine's Day and Dawn wanted to go on a date. So I was like, oh, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, had some friends who were single. And I was like, oh, do you want me to set you up with one of them? And she was like, sure. And I was like, okay. I mean, I don't know them that well, but I'll pick the one that seems the most compatible with you. So I did. They had, like, one date, one pretty okay. Turns out, dude didn't know how to talk to women, like, at all. So they had, like, another date, and it didn't go well, right? How many dates did you guys have? I can't remember. You remember this story a lot different than I do. (laughs) Wait, no, no, okay. All right, so as previously mentioned, this had been about a year, a year or two in, no, I would have been about two and a half years into Colleen's relationship with her boyfriend, now husband, and a bunch, so a bunch of her friends in our year were recently single. I was included. You first tried to set up, there were two other friends that you were setting up with people that you had known. Okay. Yeah. No, not them. No. All right. Let me defend myself here. Okay, so what happened was two of our other friends, two of my friends met at a party. It was one of my friends from high school and one of my friends from college. They both liked each other, and so I found that out separately. So I was just like, oh, hey. Like, so I, I said to, like, my friend from college, hey, my friend from high school likes you. Like, you could totally, you should totally ask her out. Like she definitely say yes. And like the friend from from college was like, "Oh really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Like she totally be into it. Like I already asked her, and she said yes. And she also told me that I could tell you. So he was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Anyway, so it didn't work out, but whatever. Yes. Anyway, so yes, Colleen sent me up with someone. It. It was fine for a little bit and ended up not working out, which is fine. There's no animosity between either party. But yes, as a joke, but yes, as a joke, I did calling call Colleen Emma because also, all right, yes, I did mix a joke. it up. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was not an insult that you said to me. Sure. Okay. What? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. That was my first experience with Emma was um, being called that as a joke slash um, 
Well, I, I feel like we'll never fully figure out. Was it a joke? Was it an insult? That's a matter of opinion. What do you think, audience? Please tweet at us. I, tweet at us at Austin and the A-Train. What do you think? Okay. Um, Starting a Twitter war. Now we're a real podcast. I don't want to start a Twitter war. Twitter is scary. They People okay. scream at each other over nothing over there. I don't like that side of the internet. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, thank you. That's it's like the shrimp gate crunch cinnamon crushed toast thing. Like <laughs> it started off as like a weird manufacturer thing and ended up with, oh, this person was a domestic abuser and is now married to Topanga. Uh, okay. It's a whole Twitter thread. Oh Jesus. All okay. Right. So my okay. Wait, so this had you conversation never... went in a direction. Okay, so had you never read the book and had before I said that? No. Really? So this is I your like first time reading the book? No, I read it um, on my commute, my first year working. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. So I was introduced to the book Emma, I think when I was like sometime in my early high school, and I decided that books were my personality, and I had to read all of Jane Austen's books. And honestly, okay. I had just reread the book as an adult for the first time this past week, but as a teen, I did not like it. (laughs) I feel like that's the case with a lot of Jane Austen books, except for, like, Pride and Prejudice, though. Well, it was, especially at that time, I was, like, I was reading mostly young adult books where the characters are usually aspirational, so a character Mm -hmm. that I, so reading through the eyes of a character, I, at least... At least that's the kind of stuff that I was reading as an adolescent mm. and kind of as a young adult. Um, so a character that I disagreed with vehemently was something <laughs> that like I was I didn't want to read about. Like same reason why as a like as like a middle grade reader I hated Artemis Fowl because Artemis Fowl <laughs> sucks as a person. That's I know actually, they're well written yeah. books. I know they're well written books. <laughs> no, that's actually something I talked about. Like I made a, a video on on my channel that was about like, do you need unlikable characters? Because uh, I like I had a conversation with like a beta reader once where they were like, I don't like this character because they're not likable. So like I don't care what happens to them. And I was like, but you that. And, and like I, I realized, I'm like just because you don't like a character doesn't mean you can't like root for them to do better. And then like it is a point of maturity, and it's also it's like it's a point of maturity as a reader because it is difficult. Like as you get older, it, like it is difficult when you're a younger reader and you aren't exposed to different like different types of books where you don't always agree with what the protagonist is doing, but you can't you have to kind of just go with the story. I mean, my first experience with that was reading like. Catcher in the Rye, and definitely not my favorite book in the world, but, like, it is good that I read it. Everyone's a phony. (laughs) Everyone's a phony angst, right? So, yeah. But, like, it's good that I read it because I got to have that experience of, like, this, I don't like this, like, I don't like this narrator, but here I am along for the ride. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, it is, yeah, and it kind of is interesting, too, because I also had that experience with Holden Caulfield, where I kind of just wanted to also tell him to shut up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, for those of, I I do actually think that J.D. Salinger is a really good writer, for those Mm -hmm. of you that can't, that would be interested in exploring his short story slash novella of Franny and Zoe. Mm. I recommend giving a try if you, if you're interested in reading his work, but just can't stand Holden Caulfield, which. Yeah. I understand completely. Yeah, and it's the same thing, like, with Mary Shelley's um, 
Frankenstein's monster. Like, Dr. Frankenstein, hate him as a character, honestly. Like, I'm about to, like, I'm about to use bad language. He's a little bitch boy. The entire book. But, like, Emma is another example of a not very likable character, but, like, that's the point of the book, is she has a whole character arc where she, like, makes a lot of mistakes and she grows from it. So that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy Emma as a novel. Mm-hmm. I have to say, rereading Emma as... Rereading Emma as an adult, I actually do have more of an appreciation for the character. So the first, mm-hmm. after we do a little synopsis of the book and maybe a little history bit... History bit... Um, I actually want to see if we can explore the hatred of Emma as kind of a, like, is it because of Emma's true character flaws where, like, if you met this person in real life, would you actually not like her? Or is it actually misogynist? Or is it more kind of based on misogynistic? Because misogyny. Just because I feel like a lot of the things that I didn't like her for as a teen, I kind mm. of don't care about now. Like, yeah. she's very, like, aware of herself and, like, yeah, I'm confident and I know that I'm pretty and I know that I'm rich and I'm totally happy with that. Where definitely yep. me as a teen kind of, this is where I become the killjoy feminist, I suppose, was a little, like, oh, like, so self-centered. How dare you think positively of yourself? And then meanwhile, like, I'm the opposite where... There is a specific quote from Emma that I actually, like, I got a print of it, and I actually sent it to Dawn, and I'm actually sending it to another friend. I sent it to Dawn last year because Dawn was having a rough time, and mm-hmm. I actually, it's, I, and, like, I sent it to Dawn, like, out of the blue, but I was just like, um, you may have something coming in the mail, just so you know. I will not say what it is, but I'm actually sending it to another friend who's um, also having a bit of a rough go of it, because... And I just say that it's a very me type of quote is always in my little note. Um, And it's, I always deserve the best treatment because I never put up with any other. And I, I love this quote because it's a very like me type of quote. So I think I think I even wrote in a note to you, Dawn, that was like, I know you hate Emma, but I saw this quote and I thought it was a very me type of quote. So I hope you see this and you think of me and like you put it on your wall and, and like you like like I, I'm with you like in spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. All right. So before we get on about, first of all, I think actually my opinion has changed of Emma Ooh. as a book. So all right, yeah. let's just dive into the plot synopsis of it. So, Colleen, would you like to, since this is your favorite, would you like to do the plot synopsis? Sure. Um, so, I found one on Goodreads, but the Goodreads one kind of made it sound a lot more high stakes than it actually was. Like, it was just like, to the detriment of her friends, and disaster ensues, but when she tries to set up her friends, it's like, okay, you're making it sound like the, like a war started when she tried to set Harriet up with Mr. Elton, and that's, that's, not, that's not what happened, guys. Okay, Emma by Jane Austen is a novel about youthful hubris and romantic misunderstandings. It is set in the fictional country of the, um, country village of Highbury and the surrounding estates of Hartfield, Randalls, and Donwell Abbey and involves the relationships among people from a small number, number of families. I would almost call it a... It's very much like kind of an Oscar Wilde type story, even though Jane Austen came before Oscar Wilde, where it's very much a comedy of manners, comedy of errors... 
a little bit, and it's all kind of dictated by Emma's want to kind of manipulate the situation a little bit. Granted, yes, I, guess I, am, I know I'm using my own biased language. <laughs> Come at me. Oh, wait, I found one. Okay. 21-year-old Emma Woodhouse is comfortable dominating the social order in the village of Highbury, convinced that she has both the understanding and the right to manage other people's lives. For their own good, of course. Her well-meant interfering centers on the aloof Jane Fairfax, the dangerously attractive Frank Churchill, the foolish, if appealing, Harriet Smith, and the ambitious young vicar, Mr. Elton, and ends with her complacency shattered, her mind awakened to some of life's more intractable dilemmas, and her happiness assured. Wow, way to spoil the ending, guys. Thanks, Penguin Random House. I feel like that's kind of... Whenever it comes to, like, the classics, and opera is notorious for this as well, it's like, whenever there's an interesting story, like, they don't care about you actually, like, trying to be a part of the story. It's yeah. like, they just try to... In also modern-day movie trailers, like, it's like, they're just like, oh, you want to be along for the experience? It's like, no, I want... Yeah, and part of the experience is being shocked by what's going to happen at the end. Yeah, oh my god, I hate, I hate that when, like, they give away the entire like plot in the trailer it's like okay well what's the point in going to the like the movie now i already know it's gonna happen yeah that was like i think i saw like the first clip that oh black widow has a sister in the trailer and i was like nope i've refused to watch the rest of the trailer then like and also Mm -hmm. i have met i also do have like a lot of respect right now for the spider-man movies which are not is the next spider-man movie it's tom holland is not being it is not gonna have a trailer that's for the best well, and also, think about it. Marvel can do that kind of thing. Like That's true. People are going to go watch Marvel movies. That's not a question. That's definitely... That, yeah, that's very true. So why give away the ending if that's the major complaint? Mm. All right. So, yes. Emma is a... She's actually the mistress. She's in a very unique situation of this time where she is essentially mistress of this house because her mother has passed away. Her elder sister has married a Mr. Knightley. And... Her and her so in that time period, the woman was like the one who helped like manage the house. So she gets so she as an unmarried woman, she gets she gets to basically be the mistress of her father's house, dealing with like the sort of things that's similar to what a wife would be like. So she's in this extremely privileged situation. Yeah, and. At the start of the novel, we see that her former governess, who had basically who had also become her confidant, um, she has her pal married and off. a confidant. What? Her pal and a confidant. Uh huh. Yes, Sorry. her pal and a confidant. Um, she is married off and to. She is married off to. I believe he was the vicar. He was the widowed vicar of the town. I want to say. Who? Mr. Oh, Weston. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. yeah, a Mr. Weston. And she swears, so on the opening scene, she's, we see her, like, talking to her father, to her father, being like, don't meddle again, Emma, that's a bad idea. And she's like, don't worry, I've sworn off matchmaking for good. <laughs> to which everyone knows that is, that's Everyone's a lie. Like, okay, Emma, sure you have. And even, like, her brother-in-law, who comes, o- who comes over, like, every once in a while, so her, brother, her brother-in-law, the other Mr. Knightley... Um, mm-hmm. is actually very much, like, kind of a friend, like, very much a friend who often visits, um, the Woodhouse's estate, whose name I forget. I do have to say, like, 
is I don't know. So because Mr. Knightley owns Donwell Abbey, and every single time I read it, Downton I read, Abbey. Yeah, I read Downton Abbey. Yeah, I just it. saw like the cast, the High Clare Castle, like come into, yeah. come into view <laughs> with the dog. All right, so then recently, so a Miss Harriet Smith of unknown parentage, like she doesn't really know who her parents are, comes in and she is a parlor, she is a, what's considered a parlor boarder at a school, and so, and Emma decides, ah, she's my newest project. Elfie, I've decided to make you my new project. Yeah, it's it's like that. Except she's like, and she's very open to like, Miss Harriet is my own project. Miss Harriet, she's not, she's not the brightest person ever. She, she's fine looking, but she doesn't have any money. She doesn't have any, really, like, any kind of means that would make her good for the marriage market. So she tries to pair off with a gentleman. That gentleman ends up wanting to marry Emma, and that, and the, but it turns out that he just wants Emma for her money, even though Emma has sworn yeah. off marriage. Yeah. Emma was, like, the original woman who was like, I'm just gonna, like, live, like, be single forever, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And Emma was also just like, and then her friend, Mr. Knightley, is just like, Emma, you can't stop, you can't, and was just like, well, that Robert Martin isn't good enough for any, isn't good enough for my <laughs> friend Harriet. And Mr. Knightley is like, what are you talking about? They're, they, they're both in love, and this would be a good match for Harriet, because Harriet <laughs> yeah. has no money. <laughs> Harriet has no money, bro. Mm-hmm. And I, and just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And in the end... Harriet does end up with Robert Martin. Okay, I will say that scene when I I had thoughts on that, um, that whole thing with, hold on, let me find, find it in my notes. So, like, that whole thing when Harriet comes to Emma about Mr. Martin's proposal, I have a, like, Emma actually does bring up a lot of valid points about marriage, like, and she does really try to keep her thoughts out of it, even though, like, she has, like, put her two thrown her two cents about like Mr. Martin into it with Harriet like when Harriet's like what do I do do I say yes Emma's like no it, no 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 I'm not gonna tell you to refuse this marriage if you have any doubts or hesitations about marrying someone I would advise against it I if I and I agree with those points because um I mean, she, I think, like, the direct quote is, if you prefer him to every other person and think him the most agreeable man you've ever been in the company of with, why should you hesitate? And, like, she doesn't try to talk Harriet out of saying yes. And also, at this point, like, there's already foreshadowing of Harriet's crush on Mr. Knightley at this point. So it's pretty clear, if you read the book already, it's kind of clear that Harriet's already thinking of somebody else and she already holds Mr. Knightley in the highest esteem, but she just never thought she could get anyone like Mr. Knightley. I, that's such a different reading than the way I took it. Mm. I'm willing to accept it, but that is definitely different from the way that I read it. But I think I'm also looking at it from the perspective of, I mean, because I think it's also because I am, I, I am like an Emma type where I am just very, like, because like, what, I've never, I mean, I didn't read Emma when I was, like a teenager like I always mm-hmm. read it as an adult but like I am like I feel like Emma and I would be friends because like we're both very confident people and we're both like no this is my friend and she deserves the best so like I'm like only she only deserves the best and like this is what she should have but like also like I agree with those points about marriage it's not something that it 
if somebody proposes to you like you and you have doubts or you feel hesitation you, you shouldn't do it like when my husband proposed I said yes immediately and yeah. it's like Emma said like it's not a state to enter with half a heart and and furthermore I mean she never tries to sway Harriet one way or the other about it specifically with the letter that whole scene with Mr. Martin's proposal specifically I think what I wonder, too, is because when I read Emma, like, first, when I was, Mm -hmm. like, a teen, I identified a lot with Harriet. So, like, because often a lot of with these, like, there's, it's almost like the Bella Swan kind of thing, is, like, when Christian Stewart first came into the role of Bella Swan, everyone, like, opposed her acting, but actually the the character of Bella Swan Mm -hmm. was written so well in the sense that... She doesn't have much of a personality that it was easy to project your own personality yeah. onto Bella Swan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And often that's what we do when we read, is, like, we kind mm-hmm. of see ourselves. Like, there's a lot of reason why Elizabeth Bennet is also one of those characters where, like, no, Elizabeth Bennet does have, like, a very strong personality. Mm-hmm. How, however, a lot of her traits are, like, somewhat common in the sense of, like, are common with the kind of people who are probably going to read a book. Like, yeah. people who enjoy reading have... <laughs> people pen- who would read Pride and Prejudice and enjoy Pride and Prejudice would probably love Lizzie Bennet or yeah. be a Lizzie Bennet type. Yeah. And it's also very easy, like, too, with, I would say, even, like, Harry. Like, mm-hmm. if you're, like, a 10-year-old boy, like, Harry is also, like, if you're a 10-year-old kid of, like, I don't know what's going on, like, mm-hmm. what's going on, like, I want to help other people. Like, I think a lot of, like, most children kind of like yeah are on the side of like yeah i want to help people what what is going on in this world what is happening Mm -hmm. so and also this different reading of it could be because i took it as very much of like harry being like oh i can't believe this has happened and emma being like well if you're sure about it because the tone of sarcasm it's very hard to get that tone of sarcasm that's almost across because I definitely read it with Emma being like I'm not gonna say anything kind of almost like in a mother-in-law toxic mother-in-law <laughs> kind of way oh shit yeah now you're one now you know so like and it's very possible that's kind of the nice thing about books is you can have these different mm-hmm. interpretations yeah, I agree with that but yeah I think that's also and uh, from also the different audio performances I've heard Mm-hmm. of Emma is a lot of people often do kind of take the toxic mother-in-law kind of sarcastic tone of well I'm not gonna say anything about it and as soon as you say no it's oh well that was horrible anyway and it's like uh well all right but also the interpretation of like nope this is your decision I think is a very valid one that I just had never explored mm-hmm. before yeah and I feel like I feel like that's why most people hate Emma because that's like what you kind of would expect her to say but I feel like Maybe that's why me and Jane Austen are the only ones who really like Emma, because we are the only ones who saw it that way. Where it's just like, no, no, like, this is your decision. Like, if you really want to marry this person and you can't think of anybody else that you would rather be with, then you should marry him. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of what I want to dive into of, is the hate for Emma warranted because of misogyny or is she really an unlikable character? Because, like, let's look at Emma... What? I said, we'll we'll find out. I mean, look, because because most things are kind of in a state of gray, other than the fact that you should get vaccinated, um, (laughs) then it it could be... It probably does lie somewhere in between. But let's take a look at Emma's character. All right, Colleen, how would you describe Emma's character? 
I would describe her as definitely as like definitely very confident in herself and very secure in herself. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little too secure in her own judgment. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, she also had a position of power in her household when she was way too young. I think. What does Mr. Knightley say to like Miss Weston at one point? He like he he says she was basically the smartest person in the room when she was five years old, right? Like when when she was five years old, she was solving puzzles that stumped the rest of the family, right? So I mean that's the kind of household that you're growing up in. Of course, you're going to have a very inflated sense of oh, of course I know the best. I'm the smartest one here, and you, then you go from. I'm the smartest one here to I'm the smartest person in this room to I'm the smartest person just everywhere. Mm-hmm. She and definitely is go. she definitely is not used to hearing the word yo- no. I almost said mm-hmm. yo. She also was not used to hearing the word yo. <laughs> yeah, um, probably not. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she definitely is not used to hearing the word no and her father is very much of like, oh, you remind me so much of your mother. Well, I, th- I think the other thing is that is important to remember about Mr. Woodhouse and Emma is that, and I think she, I think Jane Austen says this at the beginning, is that Mr. Woodhouse is the type of person where if something works for him, he believes that it must be that way for everybody, right? So mm-hmm. she's also growing up in a household where, oh, well, if... I like to have my gruel cooked this way, then it must be the best way for everybody to have it done. So, of course, that's how everybody must have their gruel cooked. Or, or whatever. Or, oh, there um, was, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, there was, like, a scene with a gruel where it was like, oh, we must all have gruel after dinner. And it's like, why? No. Exactly. No so, one wants that. <laughs> exactly. So she's growing up in a house where one she where she has way too much power at way okay. too young an age she is convinced she is the smartest person in the room and she her only real adult role model also has the mentality of everyone should do the thing do things my way because obviously this is the best way to do them mm-hmm. why would you do them any other way yeah, and her only, like, the only person who really calls her out is Mr. Knightley. Exactly. And that is my favorite, honestly, that's my favorite part of Emma, um, is the Emma is the Emma and Mr. Knightley relationship, because, like, you know how in Pride and Prejudice, everybody loves the Darcy-Lizzie relationship because they challenge each other, and, like, it's about finding someone who can match you in values and intelligence, um, but I like Emma and Mr. Knightley because I feel like it... Their relationship is about finding someone who, like, where you can find that balance between, like, going along with and calling you out on your bullshit, mm-hmm. for lack of a better way to put it. Because, like, the moment you meet Mr. Knightley, like, you hear that they tease each other and they go back and forth, like, like um, Lizzie and Darcy. But Jane Austen makes it a point to say Mr. Knightley is the only person who could find fault with Emma and the only one who would actually tell her about it. Like, so, like, throughout the novel, she, he's the only person who's like, no, Emma, you're being a huge jerk right now. 
Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, oh, shoot, he's right. Throughout the novel, and then like throughout the novel, she's like, oh man, he was right. I should go apologize. Well, and I think, too, the whole, like, it's my way or the highway, like, growing up with that mindset that Emma definitely had, mm-hmm. totally influenced the way that she thought of Robert Martin as a match, as a match because Emma never mm-hmm. had, to, like, Emma doesn't have to worry about, like, mm-hmm. her, her older sister's already married to someone who is very respectable and of the land of gentry yep. themse- herself, and so she doesn't, so, like, she does have, so Emma can marry lower, and she would not want to do that. Because yeah. she's grown accustomed to her loves her lifestyle. I have grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Whereas Harriet, yeah. like, is literally living basically in a boarding school. Yeah. And doesn't and like doesn't really in any kind of lifestyle other than maybe being like a governess. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. And Harriet seems like she would be a terrible governess. No. Harriet would be like the governess to like gets bamboozled by the kids and somehow like they like locked her in a, a like lo- like tied her in a to a chair and like they convinced her they were playing like backwards hide and seek or something and the parents come home and they're like what what and she's like oh that's what they told me the old governess did and they're like no that's not that's not a thing harry okay harriet you can go Desserts before Which, desserts before dinner. Exactly. It's a tradition like, oh, in our house. Yeah, exactly. They told me it was a tradition. Okay, Harriet, um, we'll just call the agency. Like, you, you can just go now. Yeah. And sometimes, and, like, there's, like, the whole scene where it's just, like, it's a very obvious, like, riddle. Like, mm-hmm. and Emma basically oh just God. helped, like, Harriet has to transcribe all of these riddles for, like, a book because back right. then, like, collecting oh extracts. God. And it was just like, could it be a mermaid? And it's like, no, it's dating. It's <laughs> no, dating. No, it's courtship. It, it's courtship. What? Why would it be a mermaid? <laughs> I, know, I think is, Emma basically said the 1815 yeah. version of that. Why would it be a mermaid? <laughs> right? It's like, oh my god, it's like it's like that episode of Friends where they they do the the game show and Monica just starts screaming at at Phoebe. At like, who is it? It's like Phoebe or Rachel. She's just like, that's not. It was like that scene. Well, no, I think of when Joey was on um, How to Be a Millionaire. And it yep. went, the answer was something like mayonnaise. Yeah. And it was like very obvious. And he was just screaming, ah, paper, anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Joey. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, Harriet. Yeah. But oh, all Harriet. right. So continuing on with like Emma's characteristics is kind of where I want to explore because definitely as a teen I like did not like this character but as an adult I don't think she's that bad the only reasons where I think that she is bad is when I kind of see the manipulation side of things mm-hmm. but the whole point of the book is her realizing that she can't meddle in other people's lives like that's yeah. the whole point of the book yeah I think I like was just on like the last half of it where she was explaining to Harriet she was like oh my god one of my tricks I'm so embarrassed I'm so sorry and she was just like explaining to Harriet like some of the stuff she was doing and she's like I'm so sorry and the, like she was going through all the tricks and Harriet's just like you did that what what and Emma's just like oh yeah and I also did this and this and also that and another thing I'm sorry yeah can you ever forgive me and Harriet's like I I, I guess mm-hmm. yeah 
Mm-hmm. But I think I, I think it's not fair that people to say that, that Emma's a bad character because I mean her whole her whole character arc is becoming a better person. So mm-hmm. I mean she starts like I, I mean she starts off, sure she starts off as an unlikable character but she gets better. Mm-hmm. So it's like ugh. It, yes. it's, mm. Well, and I think yeah. like. Again, that's why, like, I think as, like, an adult reader now, I almost, like, have appreciation for it. Because it's, like, no, Emma's just sure of herself. Like, she is very sure of herself. Yeah, she's very sure of herself, and she makes some misjudgments. She's an unlikable character, kind of like how Lorelai Gilmore is an unlikable character at point. Like, she's an unlikable character at points. She's not, like, all-around unlikable, oh, my God, I hate this Mm -hmm. person. But now, like, let's look into the kind of, like, misogynistic rap that, like, I think Emma gets. Because I think that's why people don't like her, is more... Especially for the time, Emma is an extremely confident. She doesn't want to get married because she's very happy with her situation. And actually, like... And so we're looking at, like, a woman who knows she's pretty and is very Mm -hmm. sure of that. Who knows that she's smart and is very sure of that. Who knows she's of good station and is very sure of that. And who? <laughs> so it's just one of those. Those are all characters like, it's like for hundreds of years. Like people have always wanted to be the demure, like Jane, the Jane Bennett type, where it's like, oh, I didn't realize I was pretty, or like mm-hmm. I'm not that accomplished, like, mm-hmm. and like doesn't speak until spoken to. Yep. Which are which back at the time were very, were deemed like awful qualities in woman like if you had an opinion how dare you yeah so i feel like a lot of the reasons why emma gets a bad rep is kind of this misogynistic view and like now thinking about your reading of it colleen like mm-hmm. why is it that we kind of assign that a lot of people assign the whole to- like the whole toxic mother-in-law well kind of i think what's what's also interesting is i i was just reading about how a lot of so when Emma was originally written there was a lot of it it received a lot of good comments a lot of people really did like Emma which is really funny because you would assume when it first came out uh, that nobody liked it right Mm -hmm. Um, but when it originally came out I mean, Regency England, people didn't like it, right? But I'm thinking about when it when you read it, because you were in high school, right? So think yeah. about, I mean, think about the trends, especially in YA, that mm-hmm. were really common, right? So we have the trope of, I'm not like other girls, right? But mm-hmm. we also have the trend of the girl who didn't know she was pretty. Mm-hmm. Then being Thermopolis's. Yeah, the Mia Thermopolis, the girl who didn't know she was pretty. Whereas nowadays we have the, like, as nowadays we have the body positivity movement, and we have, I mean, we have, like, Lizzo. If if Emma became an opera or or a musical, Lizzo, Lizzo should write all of the songs. I would also argue Olivia Rodrigo because Olivia Rodrigo's whole brand of like her quasi pop punking thing is I mm. am like other girls. Mm. I think even uh, but see, I feel like Emma would just be like, I'm a hundred percent that bitch or whatever. I feel like Emma would just be like blasting Lizzo songs all the time. 
this is a Twitter war I am for, actually. All right. Do you think Lizzo would be more Olivia? Wait, yeah. no. Lizzo is Lizzo. Would you? Do you think Emma would like Olivia Rodrigo or Lizzo more? <laughs> right. It, tell us on the Twitter. Yeah, I'm actually I'm more curious about that. <laughs> Right? All right, I shall tweet it. Because I think those are both, like, valid opinions. Because on one hand, like, Liz is all about, like, "Uh uh-huh, all the rumors are true. This is what I'm doing here. And Olivia Rito's just like, yep, just like every other kind of girl. Like, deal with it. So when it came out in Regency England, it actually did pretty well? Yeah, a lot of people really liked it. Um, Hmm. Let me entreat you to uh, one of the... A lot of men really liked it, too. Huh. Which is really interesting. Uh, Thomas More, the Irish poet, singer, and entertainer, who was a contemporary of Austin, wrote to Samuel Rogers, who was an English poet, and said, Let me entreat you to read Emma. It is the perf- perfect perfection of novel writing. I cannot praise it more highly than saying it is often extremely like your own method of describing things so much with so, so much effect with so little effort. I can also see that, because what I think Jane Austen does very well, too, with Emma, is mm-hmm. she kind of, she note like, she exemplifies how Emma is very smart, while also letting you be one step ahead of Emma. Yeah. That's Which, what I think is so funny. Balance. That's what I also think is so funny, because the narrator is basically another character. The narrator is basically, um like, the town they live in, like, Highbury as a character, if you think about it. Because, like, at the same time, it, like, kind of sympathizes with Emma, right? But it also, like, kind of clues you in on, like, hmm, Emma doesn't really know what's going on, does she? She doesn't get that, um, Harriet kind of has the hots for Mr. Knightley. While she's talking about Mr. Orton's proposal. Or, like, several other things, like the letters between Jane Fairfax and... Yeah, this, like, the narrator almost had this very, like, sassy remark, like, in tone to it. Very much the way that, kind of, like... Oh, my gosh. From Britt Bridgerton, who... Oh, yeah, Lady... ah, Beans. Lady Whistleton, like how Lady li- Whistledown or whatever. Hey, Lady Whistledown, how like Lady yep. Whistledown, voiced by Julie Andrews, had these very like sassy remarks like to it. Mm-hmm. Or um, even like in the iteration of Serious Unfortunate Events, like the narrator for that is like, let me tell you the tale. Mm-hmm. And it had like I like it definitely is like it's one of those like it's very well written. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess when it came out, like it very like when I was reading books at the time, like liter like the whole publishing world was kind of going through this trend of like girls who don't know that they're awesome but are actually awesome. Yeah, exactly. And I mean that's I think this just speaks to the point of like that's really damaging for young girls. It is, like, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. The amount of times where I told myself, where, like, I was like, I don't think I can sing when I knew I could sing, actually, like, yeah. damaged me, like, from being able to sing in front of people, I would yeah. say. I was having a talk with one of our friends, and they were, they literally told me, hanging out with you is dangerous because I feel, like, way more confident in myself. And I'm like, oh, honey, just you wait. Just you wait. Mm-hmm. Hang out with me even more. You'll be overconfident in yourself, just like I am. 
Well, and I think, too, is, like, the love of, like, what I also love kind of, like, was, because everyone, like, kind of hunts up about, like, the matchmaking, but also even, like, when Emma goes to paint, like, Harriet's portrait, and it was just, mm-hmm. like, describing, like, there were all of these portraits that were all half done, because Emma felt the need to do every single, to master every single art form, and so she never actually finished any, like, she was not, like, Emma's <laughs> right. very much, like, a master, like, jack of all jack trades. Jack of all trades, master, master of none. none. Yeah. In a sense that, like, nope, I do this, and I'll switch to this, and I'll switch to this. Yeah. And there's actually this beautiful conversation that I want to talk about with Harriet, where it's almost like, it's very modern in the sense that... Like, Harriet asks, like, but what would you do with your time? And Emma just says, do you realize how many times I switch hobbies? <laughs> oh, my God. I felt so seen in that conversation when mm-hmm. they're, when Harriet's like, well, what are you going to do if you don't get married? I felt and, very like, seen as well. I felt so seen, which is ironic because, like, I am married. But I was just like, do you know how? I was just like, oh, my God. She was like, meanwhile, Emma's just like, well, I mean, you know, if I decide I don't like knitting anymore, I'll take up, like, needlepoint. And if I decide I don't want to do that, I'll do art, or I'll do music, or whatever. And I, was, I felt so seen, oh my god. Because mm-hmm. also, like, she's clearly been someone where she's not like this, but it's like, Daddy, I want to spend all this money on this new hobby that I have, and Mr. Woodhouse is just like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But you know Mr. Woodhouse would be like, okay, dear, but, uh, you know, as long as you are... Are safe, dear. Are mm-hmm. you sure you won't stab yourself with a knitting needle? I I want to get back to Mr. Woodhouse in like a second. Oh but my also, god, Mr. Woodhouse. The other like speech the other like speech that she has is just like old maids are only sad when they're poor. I have money. I don't need to worry <laughs> about it. And it was it was kind of like funny in a sad way because I mean it it still holds up even today. Yeah, because yeah. especially like growing up, like growing up, Colleen and I are both Colleen and I are both millennials, by the way. Mm. Like growing up, we were told by like our parents and the generation before, like money can't buy happiness. Where now it's like, no, nope, money can. And yeah. I'm oh, just no. saying, like, I, I I was not not told that, but like, so like, yeah, I was told that, but see, I had. A, an aunt who was not married um, and didn't have children. She has a dog that she spoils the crap out of, right? And she spoils her nieces and nephews, just like Emma was saying that she was going to. So, like, when Emma was giving that whole speech, I was like, hey, that's my aunt right there. Yeah, it, which is... Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Because, like, she already, like, Emma is basically already, like, in a way that she's a married woman in the sense of the, her job of being, like, all right, I already have to manage this house. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, like, and that's also, like, it's one of those, it's a way in which she's privileged, but also it's, like, it makes you think about it. Like, oh, like, yeah, why is, like, someone being unmarried, like, such a, even though at the time, like, she would have been looked down upon for not, for being celibate. Mm-hmm. As she says. And you, I mean, you th- if you think about it, Emma's, like, unlike Lizzie Bennet, Emma is fully aware of how privileged she is. Because, I mean, one of the, like, her family is very close with the, um, Mrs. Bates, who is, you know, the opposite of them. They're in a very unfortunate 
position money wise, right? Uh, not Mrs. Bates, Miss Bates. Where I mean, she even mentions Miss Bates. Where um, oh, where Harriet's like, oh, you're going to be an old maid like Miss Bates, and Emma says, mm, not like Miss Bates. Well, and it's funny because Jane Fair, like, um, like the only person who that like Emma is kind of jealous of is Jane Fairfax. I thought that was so funny. Uh, their yeah. their whole thing. Um, well, also it was kind of funny to me because I think the book I read before I read this when I like back when I originally read it um, was Jane Eyre, mm-hmm. who and like her story is a lot like Jane Fairfax, where like Jane Fairfax like mm-hmm. has to go become a governess. So it's like, oh, this is like alternate universe, Jane Eyre. So I thought that was really funny. I could never tell if Emma was like actually jealous. So like, I mean, you can give me your thoughts on this. I could never tell if Emma was actually jealous of Jane Fairfax or if she was like, or if it was one of those like, you know, on paper, we should be best friends. But anytime I try to talk to you, like we're just like, we don't click. So we're like, we're not friends and I don't know what to do. Well, that, and, like, whenever she visits Mrs. Bates, Miss Bates, like, Miss mm-hmm. Bates only talks about Jane Fairfax. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's also, like, the, oh, I don't want to hear about this person or talk about this person. Well, and I think this gets back down to the fact, that the kind of the beauty of literature in the sense that both of our, both of our Emmas are very different people. I think if yes. you met, like, I, I think if you, like, if I met your Emma. I think if you met my Emma, you'd be like, but this is just another version of you. And I think if you were... And I think if you met my version of Emma, you would be like, get the stick out your butt. <laughs> like. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I think also, like, again, this is where a lot of book, a lot of literature is projecting is like at the time that I was also reading Emma, I was also being bullied by kind of like mean girls in high school. Uh, that is the question. Is Emma a mean girl or not? That is a genuine question. Like, I think See, that is but, like. like I don't see I don't think Emma is a mean girl because it always comes from a place of love and mm-hmm. I mean she also like a mean girl can't be corrected because a mean girl's just mean. Like mm-hmm. you can't correct a Regina George. Regina George won't like Regina George would not care if Mr. Knightley said, "Regina, you're being a jerk. You just insulted Mrs. Bates in front of her friends and in front of other people who will treat her the same way you just treated her." Like if Emma really was a mean girl, Emma wouldn't care. Hmm. And there Emma else, wouldn't have taken the steps to correct her actions. There also is the factor that most mean girls actually have very low self-esteem. Exactly. Like, most, there's, like, the studies on, like, relational aggression, which is often what people call girl drama, although that term does not just apply to girls, believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, very comes much, very much comes from a place of not being confident in who you are. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think whether or not, like, if Jane Fairfax kind of is just one of these people where it's just, like, ugh, we should be friends, we're not friends, I don't know why, I have to hear you every single time. It's just you. There's no other topics that I can talk about with this one person. (laughs) Or if it is like, uh, hello, Jane Fairfax. Jane. Mm -hmm. I think it also doesn't help that, like, everybody keeps comparing them. Because I also, like, when I was in high school, I had this one... There there was this one friend that I had. 
and both of our moms were friends, and our moms would constant. Well, no, actually, no. Our moms wouldn't compare each, us to each other, but like her mom would constantly compare us to each other, and Ugh. it would get it. You you want to talk about ways to kill a friendship really fast? So like when I like, I remember reading this part, and I was just like, oh my god, is that what happened to Emma and Jane Fairfax? Because, like, you get, like, if you're constantly being pitted against each other, even, like, whether it's intentional or even malicious or not, or just, like, oh, Emma, Jane did a lot better than you at the piano. It's just like, mm, okay, I mean, that thought could have stayed inside your head, but okay, thank, thank you for telling me that. It's just going to build some animosity. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, like, I think it also could be a little bit of... Emma needed more people like Mr. Knightley in her life growing up. Because oh, definitely. 100%. Because if you're hearing for the first time from someone like, oh, I think this person's a little bit better than you with this one thing, and you're used to hearing yes, yes, yes all the time, mm-hmm. I think it's very easy for just the psychology of someone to take that personally. Yep. I think she also just needed more Jane Fairfaxes. Mm-hmm. More Jane Fairfaxes is, says Fairfax size. Fairfaxes. Fairfaxes um, and Mr. Knightley's in her life. Although, like, I do kind of... All right. The funniest thing about this, I had completely blocked Mr. Woodhouse's behavior from my memory. (laughs) Really? I thought this was so funny. So I actually had somebody, um, for my writing channel, I had somebody ask me a question about... Um, it was about, like, is it okay to have characters who don't really contribute that much to the plot but are just kind of there um, in your stories? And I literally cited Jane Austen as a reason why that's okay. And I was like, Jane Austen does this all the time. Like, most of her male characters don't really contribute anything to the plot. They're just kind of there. And then when I was reading Emma, I was just like, I don't think Mr. Woodhouse contributes really anything to the plot. Well, it's just like how mopey he was. Just he was just so like funny. He's just like shenanigans. Where and it's like I almost see them as like he's an elderly father. Like he really is like older in the sense that like yes. he's probably around his like fifties or sixties. Like, and it's just like oh, it's so sad that something that one tiny thing has changed. And Emma's literally just like she's moved down the street. She's gonna visit us every other day. Please be happy for for our. <laughs> please be happy for the person you employed that she's happily married. Right. It was just like, please be happy for her. Thank you. And even like Emma's sister, I think it's Isabella. Is her sister's mm-hmm. name? Is also takes off a little bit of like, oh, it must be so sad that Miss Taylor has married. And Emma's like, Mrs. Weston <laughs> is really happy that she gets to run her own house. Right. It was so funny. Apparently, that was another thing that was a uh, very pretty bold of Jane Austen for the time to like just have a male character who's talking about how like marriage is a bad idea because. So funny. Oh, things change when people get married, and I don't like change. Exactly. Like, it's just, oh, God, it's so funny. Oh, you've traveled so long, so you need some gruel after dinner. Mm-hmm. You cannot possibly have delicious, tasty food. Exactly. Like, the overbearing, like, I think that's one of the main themes that 
that's really funny is like the overbearing one is the father and it's very yeah it's very much like this comical parental figure that we see that we saw in like with the mother who is always kind of Mm -hmm. poking about in Pride and Prejudice Mm -hmm. is now Mr. Woodhouse of like yeah where Emma just basically has to be almost like like parent to him and just be like no just go this like crying over the fact that he can't find the right like he wanted to wear the polka dot cravat and it's like well the striped one works just as well and here and here it is already already planned it out for you (laughs) yeah and also i mean i also saw like one um one i don't know if you could say like analysis or like comparison of the gender reversal where you could say that emma and mr darcy are pretty similar because they were both put in a very um, the very proud and like central position of their household at a very young age, uh-huh. and very um, and so, I mean that affect like obviously that affects them like growing that affects the psychology and everything, but also I mean she's trying to her whole conversation with the Robert Martin thing she's trying to kind of protect her friend Harriet so I think that's another way to read that whole scene. Mm-hmm. as well because because we were just because we were talking about the gender reversal and it's just like ah that's what it's like from the other side i think it's also important i feel like with emma it's easy to forget the stakes with marriage mm-hmm. because it's not as like it's not brought up that much yeah. actually i think mr knightley is the one who brings it up yeah mr i think it is For mr Harry. knightley being yeah, like and- if you don't if like if Harriet doesn't take this marriage, she is going to end up in a, she could end up in a very severely devastating situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, where, yeah, he says if you give her too much, if you, if you, I think he basically says if you give her too much confidence and make her too selective, like, she's not gonna have any money. Mm-hmm. Which is sad to think about, that it's like, these are the stakes of not only finding a husband, but also finding a job. Yeah, because no and also, Emma doesn't have to worry about those stakes, because yeah, she could that. just be an old maid mistress of Mr. Woodhouse's estate, and mm-hmm. no one would care. And again, yep. she kind of... I also love Emma's whole speech about how being an aunt is so much better than being a mother. <laughs> That's valid. Yeah. That's valid. Which, Kids are a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to, like, your whole thing about, like, your aunt who never married and just had a happy life. And, like, yeah. she could she have her life. nieces and nephews visit. Yeah. Exactly. She just spoils us. Mm-hmm. It's great. I think I actually, like, I think I like Emma now. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, just because it is. And it also, like, I think it's easy to forget in Emma the stakes of marriage is because it's taken with such a comical tone. It's true, yeah. It's definitely a lot more comical here than it is in Pride and Prejudice, whereas Pride yeah. and Prejudice is just like, we need to run. <laughs> whereas in Pride and Prejudice, you have uh, Mrs. Bennett going around being like, guys, you need to find husbands or we're all doomed, okay? Yeah. Find a husband. And, like, the, like the errors in, like, Pride and Prejudice are very much like, George Wickham is a scoundrel, where it's like... Yeah. The blunders of Emma are very lighthearted. Yeah. Like, Mr. Elton was, and Emma's just like, wait, you've been flirting with me? And Mr. Elton is just like, hasn't that been obvious? I love you so much. You love me too. And Emma's like, get away from me. Oh my God. Yeah. And Emma's just like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. 
Oh, and where it's like oh, it definitely Mr. is Elton. like it definitely has like a like Mr. Elton is very clearly marked to be a fool since like we meet him. So oh my very, god, I hate Mr. Comical. Elton so yeah. much. Oh my god, can we talk about Mrs. Elton too? Because I thought Mrs. Elton, um, especially at the end, and how she is like, oh, I'm going to like take Jane Fairfax under my wing. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, she's a wannabe Emma. Yeah. I know. I thought that was really interesting because, I mean, that's, I think that's the, like, the, I'm trying to figure it. That's, like, the mirror image of what Emma could have been mm-hmm. had she not, had she been, like, a mean girl or not had, like, good, in, like, genuinely, like, good intentions of, I want to help people. Mm-hmm. Of, I want to help someone. I want to, like be a good person uh, but yeah whereas um, oh, if yeah. Her, like, or like if she didn't or I guess a more accurate way to put it would be that's like Mrs. Elton is Emma if she didn't have Mr. Knightley mm-hmm. well and then like nobody checked her ego well that and like she does the thing where it's like she drops the honor like in this time because again this is very polite society like everything is very subtle and genteel she drops Mm. the honorifics like very very quickly yeah like she even calls mr knightley like oh knightley as like it's like um maybe emma can do that except she doesn't even do that yeah, like she she never does that. Like how even though Mister Knightley is like over at the Woodhouses like every single day. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Um, also, can we talk about that part where Mrs. Elton thinks Jane Fairfax, who is um, the Regency equivalent of working class, uh, is talking about getting involved in? Uh, and Mrs. Elton thinks that she's getting involved in the slave trade when um, Jane meant getting involved in the governess trade, as in getting a job as a governess and then yeah. mrs elton is just like oh, i'm sorry my mistake <laughs> anywho when are we getting the desserts or whatever it's like oh, that was like the regency equivalent of just rich people problems it's just like, what you can't i just wait, mm-hmm. what that was like talking about that that I, i'm trying to come up with like a modern equivalent it's like talking about like blood diamond business it was like um actually i was talking about getting a job at um at, well, that at was, jared's i once like well that and like it's almost like you can almost tell the way that she treats like the servants who work mm-hmm. at like at her estate Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. She 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 treats Jane Fairfax like a servant, like a like a propped up servant, basically. Because like the job of as as kind of seen by Emma is like Mrs. Weston or Miss like previously Miss Taylor is very much like Jane's con not uh, sorry not Jane's Emma's confidant and like she's mm-hmm. tr- clearly treated very well as a part yeah, of the she's family. Treated, yeah, she's treated as a family member. Mm-hmm. Which can be very true of even like modern day nannies. Mm-hmm. And like different, or like even like people who are maids or like work in different houses, sometimes they can be treated as part of the family, even though they yeah. are given like the salary. And yeah. Whereas like there also have been like over the hundreds of years that like nannies have been treated of like, you raise my children for me. Yeah, exactly. You raise my children for me, but like I'm not treating you as a person. Or even yeah, no, like, like at the, there's yeah. like a family that I used to babysit for where like. 
I'm basically like I have like a Miss Taylor Emma relationship with the the kid where like I'm basically like an older sister to this child. Oh, that was she was the flower girl at your wedding. Yeah, she was right? the flower like yeah, like she was the flower girl at my re- wedding. Like it yeah, exactly. So yeah, ex- yeah. As opposed to like the horror stories that like even Jane Eyre kind of like suffered through. Like I would oh, say. Oh Jane. Oh Jane. Because like Jane yeah. like uh, yeah. Oh, oh Jane. Mm-hmm. Or even like I think I was once at a so, fun fact, actually, most opera companies and most symphony companies will actually do deals for people under the age of 40 that you can kind Ooh. of go in to get the, just to get the younger generations into opera. And I was at one of these, like, parties Ooh. where normally the people who only go to these are very much the uber rich. I'm not the uber rich. I'm not even rich, really, I would say. I am mm. happily middle class. Thank you very much. And I was, like, at this, so it was, like, at this opera event where, like, and I mentioned if we're, like, People wouldn't wear name tags because it didn't match their outfits and they didn't want to ruin their dress. (laughs) Or, like, when I mentioned, like, yeah, I came on the subway, like, people were, like, shocked. (laughs) As if, you went to that rat hellhole. And it was like, hey, it's not the rat hellhole. It's the rat's mansion. They love that place. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And the rats stay in their world and I stay in mine. Like They have their place and we have ours. Mm Mm-hmm. Where it's very much like, no, I'm a normal person. Like, this is how you get it to it. Like, yeah. Oh, God. I love going to, like, place, like, parties like that where, like, you have one friend who has, like, a, a, like, higher end job and you go to parties with, like, their new friends and they try, they, they start talking about, like, let's try to figure out how to solve problems in third world countries. It's like, ah, yes, this is. This is definitely the place where th- we have our most in touch people. Mm-hmm. This this group right here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even um, mm-hmm. I like I just remember being at the Upper West Side location of Magnolia Bakery. This is gonna sound like the most pretentious story ever, and it's <laughs> fine. I was like, before a rehearsal for something, I was like just writing like a. I was just like doing like work, you know, like extra work. And I overheard someone doing a birthday order for, like, a bunch of cakes. And Magnolia Bakery is a little bit pricey. It was for a four-year-old's party. <laughs> or it was, like, a set... It was, like, the, the baby was only, like, two. Like, happy second birthday. Ha! Oh, my God. Up. That's one of those like, parties where it's, like, this is not for the child. This is this is so you can flex on your friends and family. It's just, like, whoa. Like, and, like, the order was, like, very, like, intense. Like, the way that she was talking about it. Too. Always. It's just, like, yeah. what? Go feed some children. <laughs> yep. Always. But yeah, I like being able to dive... I, I'm very actually grateful that I was able to dive into Emma yeah. from, with like more of like an adult viewpoint. Yeah, Which also shows that sometimes there are books that are rereadable. That's true. I'm glad you... I'm glad you liked Emma the second time around. Mm-hmm. I still I think she misogyny. is... I still think she is a little manipulative. Oh, she is. She is. Which is what I am a little bit more of like... Uh, yeah. Oh no, she definitely like has her cringy moments, but like, uh, I feel like there's like uh, on a scale of on on the scale of like unlikable characters, I feel like she's like closer to, uh, like what what would be the most extreme unlikable character on a on a scale of unlikable characters, like one being like Lorelai Gilmore, where it's just like, mm, 
was that the best thing to do, Lorelai? She's and, like, no Dolores Umbridge, who was yeah, and like ten, yeah, like ten being Dolores Umbridge, like you eat babies or you eat puppies. Uh, I feel like yeah, I feel like Emma's probably like a a two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where like she's not the worst person in the world, but like she she's a normal person with flaws. Yes. She which also goes to show that that Jane Austen sure knows how to write. She does, it's true. Like all of her none of her characters are like Mary Sue's. No, even even our character of Mary isn't a Mary Sue. Yeah, oh my god. In fact, god, you Mary. don't want to be like Mary. 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 Oh god, that's my other, that's one of my other characters where I'm like characters that don't contribute to the plot. There were two Bennett sisters that could literally be left out and one of them is a cat in a in a Oh, like, I love that. Yeah, yeah uh, Kitty. Kitty. Like she doesn't need to be here. Uh-huh. Mary is literally there to make it like for like contrast. That's it. Mm-hmm. I also kind of like the fact that with Mr. Knightley, like, I would say that Mr. Darcy, like, if we're comparing the two Jane Austen novels that we've read, Mr. Darcy is very much an active character. Mr. Bainley yes. even is kind of an active char- character in his own story. Mr. Knightley, I would argue, is a little passive, but not yeah, in a he bad is. way. Yeah. And I, like, he's just like, no, like, you're going to do this. You're going to hear my opinion about it, but yeah. you get to make your own decisions. And I think it's, yeah. Mr. Knightley is a good example of how someone can be passive but still mm-hmm. contribute a lot yep oh my god so that that scene um that like at at the end i, I don't know if i would you call that the climax of the novel no i don't know if i call it the climax but like, well it was divided into two so i would say this the novel is i think it even like was in it i read this half audio half for those of readers that know at home uh i read this as half audio half physic physical book actually yeah, like, I had the audiobook already from when I read it, like, on my original commute, and then I was, like, also had, um, the, um, ebook, so yeah. that way I could, like, make notes. Um, so I think it just also, like, Jane, like, uh, Pride and Prejudice, where it's divided into books, I believe it was actually, it was separated into two volumes, because there's the novel where mm-hmm. there's, it's, like, book one is, like setting up Harriet with Mr. Elton and, like, yeah. that not working out. And then the rest of it is kind of the downfall. Of, it's, like, like, the Frank Churchill. Yeah. Oh, Frank Churchill. I have thoughts about him. Uh, but I will get to that in a moment so I can, like, finish my thought about this because we were just talking about Mr. Knightley being, like, passive. But Mr. Knightley just being, like, reactive and, like, kind of passive. So, mm-hmm. like, when Emma insults Mrs. Bates, like, first of all, have you ever had that moment where you're, like... With, like, a friend who kind of, like, brings up, like, the, the bad, like, the worst in you. hmm I feel like that was Frank Churchill for Emma. Yeah. Yeah, he just, like, brought out the worst in her. Um, and, like, when, so, like, when she insults Mrs. Bates and she, um, and Frank is, just, like, Frank is, like, oh, we must entertain Emma. And she's just, like, um, okay. And then uh, he says the whole thing about, like, sell us one interesting thought or two somewhat interesting thoughts or three dull thoughts, if you can only think of that. And then Mrs. Bates is just, like, oh, well, I don't know what I'll think of. And then Emma, like, quips. And Mrs. Bates, and Mrs. Bates has, like, just been built up to be just this, like, very harmless, like, very sweet individual. Like, mm-hmm. would not hurt a fly. 
like precious little sweetheart um and emma says ah but you will be only limited to three dull thoughts so this may be difficult for you and it's just like oh uncalled for emma it's like when it's like insulting mrs hudson from sherlock like it's just like oh my god like, I have witnessed a murder. Yeah. Jesus. Well, no, and I kind of like the fact that, like, Mr. Knightley kind of calls out, like, you're not a good person around the Churchill. Like, he's not yeah. a good dude. I was, I was, like, really glad for, like, so, like, when that scene happened, I remember the first time I, like, listened to it because I listened like I listened to it on an audiobook and I just remember thinking I was just like oh my god I've had that moment in my life where it's you you just like you're you're, you're like kind of like flexing or like showing off for friends that like bring out the worst in you and you just like kind of like go go a little too far and you're just like oh, oh no oh no what have I done and like even you kind of realize it but like in the moment you're just like mm, nope 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 gotta gotta double down on this nope not backing mm-hmm. down, not backing down, not in front of my new friends. They're they're good people, right? Right? And then uh, Mr. Knightley, like, talks to her about it. And, like, what's also crazy is that, like, Mr. Knightley is the only person there who says, no, Emma, you, you were being a jerk. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, that, that scene is so important because it shows the importance of having a relationship with someone who will tell you when you're being a jerk, especially if you are like me or like Emma, where, like, you're, like, pretty confident in yourself or, like, you're, or, like people, like, might not necessarily tell you that otherwise because, I mean, that's something... The, the number of times I ask my husband where I'm, like, I show him a text and I'm, like, is this too mean? And he'll look at it and he'll be, like, mm, yeah, you should have uh, cut that last part out. Okay, but but it's so funny. Okay, yeah, but it is funny. But is this a stand-up bit? No, exactly. You're talking to a friend, right? And you want to stay friends. Yes. Okay, I'll do it. Well, and also, like, in a way, I can understand that very much, right? too. Like, especially if, like, being a Midge Maisel wannabe... Like exactly, like it, it's important to learn when it's like mm-hmm. it's hard to not be funny. Like you have to pick being funny, or like you have to pick preserving the relationship over being funny or being right. That's almost like <laughs> I don't. Know. I understand you completely, and now I'm worried about what we're gonna sound like to our listeners. Like, oh, <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna be like personified version of the of the two old guys in the Muppets, just that. <laughs> but um, that's also like kind of in a similar way, Frank. Just like in a way, Jane Fairfax is kind of a reflection of what Emma could be, or no, uh, what kind of Mrs. Elton could be is like what Emma could have been in another way. Frank Churchill is another like reflection of what Emma could have been, because Frank, because Mister Churchill. Is, was also someone who came into a lot of money and power at a very early age. Mm-hmm. And rather than, like, being sensible with it, he definitely overindulges himself and thinks mm-hmm. of himself too important. Because, oh, well, I have this title and, like, I have this money, so I get whatever I want. Which is very similar to Emma's situation. Yep. And it also kind of shows that, like, no, like, Emma ends up with Mr. Knightley, which shows that, like, 
sometimes you don't want to date yourself or you don't want to be friends with yourself. Sometimes you need to have people in your life who are a little bit different and of the balance. Yeah. I like the so I like the way Sparknotes kind of describes Frank Churchill cuz um the way that they describe him is um well, the way you described him exactly, oh, he develops a, um, to be a, because he had so much like power and uh, validation and everything at a young age. He really resembles Emma, but like the worst parts of Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the what they say at the end of their little synopsis of Frank Churchill is. We should judge him harshly in moral terms, but we cannot help but like him more than he deserves to be liked. It's just like, ah, man. Because, like, Frank Churchill is, like, funny and charming, but, like, that is the thing, is, like, everybody knows a Frank Churchill type where it's just like, oh, I hate you, but you're, like, funny, so sure, yeah, you can come to the party, I guess. It's why people are never friends with stand-up comics. Yep. Because, like, yo, they're so funny. Why are you insulting me? Please stop insulting me. I invited you to my house. Yeah. <laughs> See, also, were the stand-up comedians, were they bullied in high school, or were they the bully? I, I actually don't know any, like, actual stand-up comedians in real life, so I don't think I can say uh, that, answer that. Well, Twitter. Twitter poll. I don't know. Someone's going to get screamed at in Twitter, no matter what. Probably. Probably me. It's fine. I accept it. I don't... Don't scream at Colleen on Twitter, please. Listen, I don't care. I'll just block you. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I I barely... As you see, can this tell, is how you can tell that I'm the Emma, because Emma would be, like, blocked. As you can tell, I clearly curate which parts of the internet I go on. By the way, there is very little drama. The like the only hate thing that I follow, I think, is r slash fondant hate on Reddit, <laughs> which we can be, they can be pretty vicious, but it's all about fondant, and no one likes fondant. No one likes fondant. No it's one disgusting. Likes fondant. No, but it I looks so pretty. I don't. It doesn't even look that pretty to me because all I can think about is how gross it is actually going to taste. So let's see. What? All right, we have discussed. Emma, very much in depth. (laughs) Yes. More in depth than I thought we were going to. I'm not going to lie, I came in here, like, ready to, like, defend Emma. Yeah. So, I was just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to defend my girl. And I I was ready to bring up, oh, I I went into this book being like, alright, I gotta read Emma. (laughs) <laughs> gonna have to deal with her. I'm gonna have to deal with this manipulative little, <laughs> little. And then so I was just and like, so. and then I think like it was like when I got to the part where it was like when I realized like the father that she had to deal with. I was just like, oh, I I can understand that. And then it was just <laughs> like Emma had five thousand portraits because she had to master all of the hobbies. I was like, all right, I can understand that too. <laughs> <laughs> she's a lot more like yeah, she's a lot more relatable than you think she's gonna be yeah i yes i i'm very i was very like pleasantly surprised and it definitely is like going and i think this is also like something that where because i think i heard the the scene because i think 
as I mentioned before, I actually also highly recommend reading books if you can, both as an audiobook and as a as a like as a written book because it definitely was an interesting experience because also the way that the actor like uses their different inflections mm-hmm. to give it can definitely do it because I think a lot of people take the audio with the audiobook take the tone of well I'm not gonna say my opinions as opposed to Colleen's <laughs> reading of like do what you want Harriet do what you want Harriet oh god um I also forgot like one of my other favorite lines that she said which I think if I read that as if I read this line as like a teenage girl in high school it like probably would have like felt kind of like a a call out um where when she's talking to Harriet about um Robert Martin's proposal she says don't deceive yourself don't be run away by compassion and gratitude for somebody liking you um, that you just feel grateful that for the fact that they like you and you just say yes to like whatever um yes to the date or in this case proposal just because of that and not because you actually want to say yes mm-hmm. and i guess and I like, like oh god that's like a really good point yeah and like part of me actually does kind of like the fact that harriet and robert martin got to like actually get to know each other a little bit before yeah that I feel like again? yeah, exactly. I feel like she needed to get to know him more, mm-hmm. and she also I feel like she also needed to grow as a person more. Yeah, because I think the other thing too that I like with Harriet is she does kind of have this arc of like where Emma does help her realize that Harriet has her own voice. Yeah, exactly. Because all because she's just like uh huh sure whatever I could do this. Yeah, exactly. And Emma's just like no, no Harriet. What what do you want? Mm-hmm. And then ironically, it backfires, and then Harriet's like, I want Mr. Knightley, and Emma's like, absolutely not, over my dead body. What? Mm-hmm. But you just said I could have whatever I want, except that, anything but that. And then you explore why. Why doesn't want Emma want Harriet to have <laughs> Mr. Knightley? Don't worry about it. Yeah, and it's one of those, like, this could be... This story, I feel like, could have been written in almost a very serious way of, like, Emma facing people. Her own demons are, like, the reflection, like, of what she could have been. But it's actually this very joyful, comical Mm -hmm. event. Right? That's what I think is so funny about it. Because, like, it's just, it's very lighthearted. But it's also so, like, it's very serious Mm -hmm. at the same time. Which proves that, like, comedies can be written well and can be profound. Mm-hmm. All right. I like Emma. Yay! I like Emma. Yay! <laughs> For context, I think it was two or three I weeks win. ago, Colleen sent me a text saying, I had a dream, and all of this stuff happened that would have been nightmarish, but then you said something to me like, I liked Emma, and I knew that it could be, it could have been real, I guess. Oh, God, yeah, I was like, I knew it was a dream, because you said you liked Emma, and I knew, I was like, this can't be real. I gotta wake up. Yes. I do have to say, sometimes I have to walk away from the book when Emma... I did have to walk away from the book when Emma was being a little too manipulative, but I think oh, that's I liked fair. it. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. I gotta do that when I watch TV sometimes. Like, I just hit pause. I'm like, girl, you need to stop! I think, like, season three or four of Orange is the New Black, it took me so long to get Ooh, through it because I had God, to, like, pause this yeah. pause it so much. Yeah, I feel that. But yeah, Colleen, your dream came true. Yay! Literal dream come true. <laughs> I hope the rest of the dream doesn't come true because you said it was a nightmare. So <laughs> I don't remember the rest of it. Maybe it, uh, I don't know. 
So next week we will be diving into the 1990s BBC um, miniseries of Emma, which is always along the same production line as the BBC miniseries for Pride and Prejudice. All right. Colleen, anything to plug? Um, hello, I have a YouTube channel called Sassy Blind Writer. Um, if you want to hear me talk about things besides Jane Austen, but sometimes Jane Austen, don't worry about it. Just just listen to me talk. Anyway. Talk about the writing um, world and talk about, yeah, books. Talk about stuff. So I talk about a lot of movies. You know what's funny? I talk about a lot of uh, books, but a lot of movies and TV shows too. So like... That's a thing. Um, oh. Shout out to our editor. Follow us on the Instagram and the Twitter. We also have a Patreon, so you can join our different tiers. And yeah. See you guys next time. Or not, because I don't get to see you. But all right. Great talk. Bye. <laughs> Bye.